The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Murray, what do you think? Well, I, I did think that the police used their clubs rather excessively. Who are you to say what's excessive? I think it was totally appropriate. I think they're in a better position to make that judgment call than you are. In fact, we as society grant cops a certain amount of authority to make those calls because we acknowledge that, that their job is difficult and dangerous. You know, unfortunately, very few people like respect that, respect that authority. Look who's talking about respect here, Mr. Junior KKK. Oh, what? What? No, you want to go to college, Davina? You should learn to listen. Derek. Okay, and say I respect Derek. the laws. I acknowledge a cop's authority. Second of all, I am not, as you well know, a member of a low-rent, disorganized bunch of rednecks like the KKK. Please. <laughs> so take your head out of your ass. I mean, you've gotten off the point. I had a point. I, that wasn't even the point. Do you have one? Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, August 31st, 2017. I'm Bob Metz. I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Still making headlines, as he did when he first appeared on Just Right, we are joined once again by Amir Farahi of the London Institute. Welcome, Amir. Thank you. Um, you know, you last joined us alongside Salim Mansour on our discussion of Donald Trump's foreign policy, the brewing trouble in Korea, and left and right. And before that, Amir joined us on a special show focused on bus rapid transit as perhaps the most publicly outspoken critic of the scheme. And of course, on his first appearance, he joined us as the creator of a London municipal petition protesting the establishment of London, Ontario as a sanctuary city. Now, of all those topics, our discussion with Amir today is possibly most related to the sanctuary city issue, given that it involved the issue of Islam and that Amir started a petition in both cases. Today, those two elements have come together again with Amir's petition called Stop the War on Free Speech in London, Ontario, which is accessible at www.standforfreespeech.ca. And with events surrounding this past weekend's downtown display of I think what Ayn Rand would have called children and savages, <laughs> in reference to the so-called counter-protesters at an event originally intended for a group called Pegida, which has been described as a German chapter of the German nationalist and far-right political movement, <laughs> and it is the German abbreviation of what in English would be translated as patriotic Europeans against the Islamization of the West. Europeans, no less. Isn't that interesting? But before we begin that discussion, don't forget that you can and you should write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, including Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, all of our past broadcasts. Well, Amir, I think this past weekend may go down in history one way or the other here in London, Ontario, and I'm sure we'll reach some international attention as well. So where should, where should we start this story? Yeah, we should start it by talking about the mayor's full statement that he made publicly in relation to a rally that was to be held on August 26th, Saturday, 
This is Mayor Matt Brown. Mayor Matt Mayor Brown. London, City Ontario. London. Yep. And his statement was basically condemning all kinds of hatred, bigotry, racism, uh, and groups that are affiliated with that sort of nature. And this statement led to a motion, a motion that basically said, we as council will condemn any hate groups in the city. And it got to a point where it was so emotional, about three councillors almost teared up. One basically did tear up. And on the floor, as the debate became so emotional, and there was a lot of virtue signaling happening, one councillor, Councillor Tanya Park, representative of Ward 13 here in the City of London, put a motion out saying that we should find a way to prohibit any ideology, any group whose ideology goes contrary to the City of London's, to ours as City Council. And that was approved unanimously. Well, that's the end of us. <laughs> Basically. What I found interesting with that particular motion, that it didn't say the Corporation for the City of London or City Council. It said the ideology of the City of London. And who is she, this Tanya Park, to say what the ideology of a city of over 300,000 people is? There, a city does not have an ideology. Yeah, what is their ideology? That, again, that's it's so vague. And in fact, uh, this is why... Uh, the oh, I know what it is, but how come they don't? How come they can't identify? I know what her ideology yeah. is. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing is, is that even you know, councilor councils in the future, four years from now, eight years from now, can come and completely exploit this motion to their advantage. Uh, this council could very well do the same. But it's interesting because Andrew Sancton, the former head of Western University's local government program, he's highly, highly respected academic here in Canada. Uh, basically said that the vagueness could have serious consequences. And I can quote him. He said, this is extremely dangerous because it looks like it's almost limitless in its application and it could cause all kinds of trouble. And he's right because if I were to hold a rally against illegal immigration in front of City Hall, let's say in the fall when the city's deciding to, you know, explore the idea of becoming a sanctuary city, I would likely be banned as a result of this motion because my stance on illegal immigration would go counter to their ideology. And well, so this is a fundamental attack on our right to free speech. Let's, totally. let's name it. Let's name what their ideology is because if they're against nationhood, Canada as a nation, illegal immigration, in other words, they are globalists, they are for breaking the law, letting people in who are breaking the law. Now be clear who you talk, who the they is. The they are, of course, city council. Yeah. Uh, unanimously, by the way, yeah. every single one of them, every single one without exception, are globalists, are advocating criminality. And I think if you're going to put a name to that particular ideology, it would certainly be collectivist, it would certainly be left, it would certainly be communist. Not necessarily fascist, but communist because they are on the side of Antifa, which, during one of our previous shows, we identified as having communist roots. At the rally, which we'll get to in a second, there were flags of the Communist Party of Canada in support of city council, of course. So this is a communist council. But I think that you have to identify it and call it for what it is. We are in a war here with this kind of an ideology, and they're they're pulling out all the stops to prevent people from talking. 
Yeah, and as as a Londoner, as a Canadian, I think that we have to fundamentally and vehemently oppose this in every way possible, which is why I started the petition, StandForFreeSpeech.ca. And it's because they are basically waging war against our fundamental right to free speech and freedom of assembly under the guise of political correctness. And that's just absolutely unacceptable. And this whole political correctness issue is just becoming more and more dangerous. It's not a joke anymore. It's not a laughing matter anymore. It is completely intruding on our rights. And when you talk about them violating federal law and that sort of thing, and they've had sort of a track record of that, especially with the Sanctuary City motion, their own code of conduct for members of council, if you look at Rule 2.5, it states, members shall seek to serve the public interest by upholding both the letter and the spirit of the laws of federal parliament, the Ontario legislature, and the bylaws and policies of the corporation, end quote. They're completely in violation of Rule 2.5 of the, of the uh, Code of Conduct. That doesn't seem to matter, though. It could, because if they could lead to an integrity commissioner's uh, investigation, oh. any, any member of the public can formally file a complaint against a city council for, for both the sanctuary city motion that they passed and this new motion that is a complete attack on our free speech. So let's jump ahead then. So you had Pegida coming, saying that we're going to protest the Islamization of the West, which is their goal, stated goal. It has nothing to do with white supremacy that I could read, nothing to do with racism, nothing against Muslims per se, simply against the politicization of Islam in Western culture. Pegida comes and says, we're going to protest. And you've got about 30 people there. Not a lot. You've got Matt Brown coming out with his uh, inflammatory uh, statement. You've got the motion at city council being uh, approved unanimously. Then you've got city councillors coming on the radio saying that they're actually going to go out and attend the counter-protest to Pegida, which I think is absolutely disgusting. It's, uh, it's, it's inciting violence. Totally unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And then you have the protesters. You know what they, they just said by doing that? They said they don't represent all citizens. They, they now only represent one portion of them. Yes, the communists. Yeah. You know, the Antifa Came flag out, literally yeah. said it. Thank you very much. And then you have the protest itself. So let's go into the protest. So what happened there? Were you there? Yes, I was there. Mm-hmm. I was there as an observer. Uh, and there were two people who were arrested. Originally, the one person in the beginning who was arrested was a member of the Canadian Combat Coalition who was there supporting... Pegida. And what happened was that person got shoved, really like pushed, and uh, he defended himself. And the police, which I think did an absolutely phenomenal job in maintaining order and peace throughout the whole rally, uh, arrested him without any charges and let him go just so that they can maintain, again, the, the order and peace and so that there isn't a violent conflict. Did they arrest the guy who shoved him? They did not. Uh. Now, If you look at the second scenario near the end of the rally in which a member of of Antifa who decided to spit on one of the members of Pegida, she was arrested right when she did that, but she also got punched in the face. The person who punched her in the face who was a member of Pegida did not get arrested. She also had no charges laid on her from the police. So in both situations, you had both of those members arrested with no charges. So overall, there was a level of peace 
and order, which I appreciated. And I think that has absolutely to do with the fact that the police were very well prepared. If you look at what's happened in Berkeley. Or Charlottesville. Or Charlottesville. Where the police withdrew. Completely withdrew. Uh, it led to Antifa completely using all kinds of violence against people who were rallying, and it caused essentially a clash between both both groups. And in Charlottesville, I think the case has been demonstrated that that was orchestrated by the mayor, a mayor who can't even come to say the, the name Donald Trump. He calls him 45. So this his his ideology, I think, is writ large as well. And and it <laughs> plays plays uh, and it, and that plays a role here in London too. It's the similarities are sort of across the spectrum. It's very very much aligned here, in the sense that the mayor has had a failure in leadership. His term and his agenda have not been largely successful, and so just that day on council on August twenty second on the Tuesday. He was trying to get council to approve his opioid crisis working group. And that failed with a majority of councillors not letting that go through because there's already so many of those working groups in the city. And that showed a failure in leadership. So what does the mayor do? He manufactures a crisis. He comes out with a public statement that is, I think, a pretty vicious one, especially in the sense that it was a full-on attack on, again, free speech. And he basically takes out the oxygen from that story and he creates this manufactured crisis to make himself seem like a leader because there's no- nothing really else that he could he could showcase here for the public in terms of what he's achieved. So very much similar and this I think caused more people to want to get to the rally. It caused tensions to grow and escalate further and and that is uh, that is the, the problem here in my in my opinion. Mayor Brown, good morning thank you for the time I appreciate it. Good morning, Craig. Uh, First, let's talk about last night, then we'll get into what's coming up on the weekend. But uh, tell us about the motion that was crafted last night and uh, and how it got to uh, uh, where it was, which was eventually uh, unanimous approval. Yeah, it was an emergent motion that I felt I I needed to bring to your council as quickly as possible to deal with, you know, what we're seeing coming up this this coming Saturday. Our community has done a tremendous amount of work over the past year, over the past term, and over the past decades, uh, focusing on... Uh, ensuring that we're an open, inclusive, accepting community. And uh, I think it's really important for us to recognize that work and speak with one voice as Londoners to say that hate, uh, discrimination, uh, racism is something that is just not tolerated in our community. Uh, so I brought the motion forward. We had uh, just an excellent uh, discussion about it as, uh, as a council and it did receive unanimous support. And that's, uh, that's a good thing. It should receive now support. And uh, I thought it was an excellent discussion. I thought it was a, a very good conversation. I also wanted to ask you about uh, your comments surrounding the, uh, the, the the counter rally this weekend. And uh, I had a chance to speak with Councillor Ridley earlier. She said she's going to be there. Some other members of council are going as well. Uh, according to your comments that you made publicly, you're not. What's uh, what's what's the reason to not go? Well, you know, I, I made that comment yesterday on a, a radio interview at another station, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just as as uh, this idea was evolving. 
Uh, my initial instinct was was to not attend because I didn't want to throw fuel on the fire, draw unnecessary attention to something that just absolutely should not be happening in our community, something that's not acceptable. But I've seen a groundswell of, of people moving towards attending the anti-hate rally, which I think is very positive. Uh, and so I've moved my schedule around, and uh, I want to join Londoners uh, and uh, stand together and, and just express that uh, the vast, vast, vast majority of Londoners uh, don't accept hate. Uh, don't do not accept uh, racism in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it's, uh, I'm glad to hear that because I uh, I was concerned about that, and I know that you said it would be uh, inappropriate from a perspective of uh, you know the the the, the governance of, of City Hall. But I guess uh, the the more you've considered the idea, the, you realize that uh, it, it would not be inappropriate. I suppose at this point. Well, well, that's it. I mean, we've had rallies like this, unfortunately, in in the past. So we have Matt Brown, the mayor of London, Ontario, manufacturing a crisis with Pegida coming in, holding a rally, a very small rally. But this is not the first rally that Pegida has made in London, Ontario, is it? No, since January of 2017, they've held three to four other rallies publicly in front of City Hall. In fact, they've even had counter rallies. But it wasn't until the mayor made a public statement that it became such a heated topic in the community and it got so much press. Most people in the community were never aware of what even Pegida was or is. I've never heard of him before this one. <laughs> exactly. So the mayor, by trying to demonize this group, actually shed more light on this group. And of course, you're you're claiming uh, that, and I think it's 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 rational that this was orchestrated by Matt Brown because of his failed leadership in council. Because if it wasn't, then we would have seen this kind of coverage by the mainstream media at every. Pegida rally, and we have not. Precisely, and I think it also has to do with the fact that our elected officials on city council are trying to write the coattails, the U.S. politics coattails. And and, and I find that offensive. I find that actually insulting. Utterly offensive. That, that I, can't, I can't live my life as a Londoner, that I have to have elected officials respond to issues within the U.S. Well, not only issues that, in our home. the issues they're responding to in the U.S., they're responding to totally on the wrong side of the issue. Right? They're the bad guys. Look, I'm looking here. This is the only sign I saw of Pegida. I got all these pictures from the free press. Stop the radical Islamic hate speech. Okay, so that means everybody else who's protesting against them wants to keep the radical Islamic hate speech going. I, I, don't th- I think if you ask Pegida, they would likely tell you that, and I don't speak for them, not affiliated with them, but they would probably tell you that they're just as much against hate and peace. They're in favor of peace. Of course they As are. the people rallying there. I, I, the, what little I heard of them, I never once heard anything inappropriate in that sense of this issue. They've it, never been convicted of hate speech in this country. No, and, and the three four, to four rallies that they've done in front of City Hall here in London, Ontario, were peaceful, and they've never been arrested or prosecuted for violating any of our hate speech laws. So now we have the London Free Press joining Matt Brown's bandwagon, or becoming one of his brown shirts, if I could say that. (laughs) Randy Richmond writes for the London Free Press. He has for a very long time, and he wrote an article just recently deliberately trying to associate not only Pegida, but anybody who may agree with their message that the West is incompatible with political Islam, and trying to tie that in to the KKK in the States, the white supremacists in the States, deliberately saying that to be anti-Islamic, or at least anti-political Islam, is to be a white supremacist, is to be a racist, even though Islam is not a race, even though 
uh, you can have white, and you, there are white. I mean, Islam mainly came from the Arab countries, which are white, Caucasian. How can you be anti-Islam and also a racist and a white supremacist? This, this is the narrative that the press are putting out there, and I think it feeds in to the hatred that we hear from city council. This is hate speech. This this is hate speech. Right. We're, we're totally. And so is everything that, that City Hall did. And look at this. Fascist snowflakes. I can't say this on the air. F off. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is on Matt's side, on Matt's side of the argument, right? And all of these things, you know, white people are immigrants too. These, I, these signs have nothing to do with this. These people are bringing their own baggage. It's very interesting because there is a Parks and Recreation Bylaw here in the city of London. And under the Parks and Recreation Bylaw, Section 9, there is a specific rule. And it says that if you use any derogatory or offensive language on a city facility, then you are violating that bylaw. And you are to be dealt with appropriately by bylaw enforcement and the police. So what you just read, Mm -hmm. the sign, can you read that once again? Because Fasc- I think fascist I, I, snowflakes f off f okay? off. Except, that's a derogatory. So that's out. a derogatory statement. Mm-hmm. So technically, by their own standards and by their own bylaws, they have just violated it. Well, of course, but you, know the other, you know what the other. You know what the other offensive. The other offensive word is another f word there that's very offensive, and that's fascist. That's that applies to the person holding the sign, not to the person that the, right. <laughs> the people they're trying to direct it at. And I should just read the motion, just so everyone is aware exactly what it states. It says, civic administration be directed to prepare the necessary formal council policy to confirm the prohibition of activities of organizations whose ideologies is contrary to the City of London, are not permitted in civic spaces, public property, and or facilities and spaces. So that is the motion. Now, what is council doing here? City council is acting as a court of justice. We live in a country, and we're fortunate to live in a country, where we have separation of powers. What this city council is doing is adjudicating certain matters as if they're the court of justice instead of governing and legislating. I I want to take issue with that, Amir, because I don't think that they're talking about anything to do with justice here. I don't think that there's been any demonstrable violation of a law anywhere by anybody on the Pegida side so far. Absolutely, yeah. So for them to preemptively say that we're not going to allow anybody who does not share our ideology to speak, there's the injustice right there. There's the start of injustice because there's no other start to it. Right. And we have we have this uh, this principle in our legal system, which is... You are to be considered innocent until proven guilty. So, in other words, let the people speak. If right. they violate a law, then you will bring it to court. And we know based on the track record of Pegida that every time they held a rally in front of City Hall, not one member of Pegida has been prosecuted by law enforcement to have violated our hate speech laws. So to slap them in with hate speech before they've even began their rally is just inappropriate. So another thing that I should mention is that during the Al-Quds rally, Pegido was there defending Jews and defending the right of Israel to exist. Meanwhile, there was some language that was used by people within the Al-Quds rally that could be considered hate speech, if we go by the same standards here. And that's never mentioned in the media. That's never mentioned by the mayor. If this is truly a white nationalist, neo-Nazi organization, they would not stand up for the rights of Jews. You know, the irony in, in all of this is that the political ideology of Islam, which is what Pegida is 
protesting against. They're actually protesting against certain elements of Islam which have been picked up by Islamists. For example, the misogyny, the homophobia, the collectivism, the tribalistic nature of political Islam, and that is what they're opposing. And this is the irony. In the this, is of ve- the West. this is very liberal thinking. They're protesting people who are homophobic, who want to put women in bags and keep them out of the public eye. This is what they're protesting. And all of a sudden, the liberal so-called, the left so-called, come out and protest against that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, and actually, when I was there, I saw a few signs that were describing the issue of honor killings, uh, specifically the the case with the Shafia family. Mm. And I saw that. I saw another sign that said, no to communism, no to fascism, no to Islamization. Those were the, the stances that they were making with their signs. No to communism, no to fascism, no to Islamization. I mean, based on that, I don't, I don't really see how you can, how you can be against. Well, what of course, for that Hang stuff. on a sec. That's perfect. If that's what they said, then all the, those, those are the groups that came out to protest against them. Come on. I, so of I, course they're going to be against them because <laughs> they are them. Well, and, and the issue was that there was no real conversation between both sides, right? Like what I would have liked to see is both of those oh. groups actually conversing with one another. May, but may, I, may I make a comment on that? You know, CFPL and other stations and the free press, in, in fact, went out and made recordings of the whole thing, and there was not one intelligible word said by anyone. It was just noise, and that's what it was. It was exactly like the protest that was done against Dr. Peterson and Hamilton. These left-wing fascists, who are the counter-protesters, have no message of their own. They just want to drown out the person with the message. If I may read my post that I did to your petition. I supported Amir's petition, and I also added a comment, and it read as follows. If banning activities of groups, quote, whose ideologies are contrary to the city of London, end quote, then only fascists and communists, both on the left, would be allowed to protest on public property. The ideology of London City Hall, as seen in practice, is clearly leftist in the extreme. Racism, sexism, and all isms based on race, creed, color, slavery, exploitation, religion, etc. are exclusively leftist and totalitarian in nature. The right is about freedom. There are no politicians in London City Hall who have ever demonstrated any respect for individual rights and freedom. Therefore, based on this August 22nd motion, anyone in favor of freedom is no longer in sync with the ideology of London City Hall. Shame on them all. That was my take. Any comments? <laughs> I think every Canadian who cares about our charter rights, who cares about our fundamental and constitutional laws, needs to be very active because this is very dangerous. The reason why I care about this issue so much is because I come from a region of the world that's made several, if not many, mistakes in the past historically that started with taking away their freedoms piece by piece, to a point where they woke up one day and they realized that they had no more freedoms left. I'll remind our listeners you're originally from Iran. Yes. And so we saw that. We saw that in 2009 when there was election fraud and there were many people who were protesting and with the Green Movement calling for fair elections, that many people were murdered, many people were censored, and their free speech, human rights were taken away. And now that's the extreme side. I understand we're not there yet. But we can get there, right? So when you look at, for example, motions like Motion 103, the um, Bill C-16 that Jordan Peterson has been talking about, 
right? You start to see that there are so many motions and bills here that are coming before our politicians that are taking away our freedom of speech. That's the most fundamental right that we have. Matter of fact, I'm going to speak about this when we come back after the break very shortly. There have been a number of videos I've put out recently, exclusive to Just Right Media, that explain free speech in great detail. And one of them is Jordan Peterson's entitled, Why Free Speech is Not Just Another Value. And the other one is by uh, philosopher Christina Bamey. Let's talk about that when we come back after the break. something in East Germany that was called das Tal der Ahnungslosen, the Valley of the Clueless. And those were two areas that really did not have any exposure to West German television, simply uh, due to their geographics. So people that lived in this uh, Tal der Ahnungslosen were only exposed to East German propaganda. Now if banning hate speech has actually a positive effect Then people living in the Valley of the Clueless should be less xenophobic than people in the former GDR who actually were exposed to at least some of this hate propaganda coming from the West. Now after the war came down and we all get equal exposure to this evil West German propaganda, it turned out that People who lived in the Valley of the Clueless were actually significantly more likely to vote for the extreme right and to be racist and xenophobic. Hmm. That's rather distressing, isn't it? If all this effort really doesn't work. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Thank you to our financial supporters who make it possible for us to continue our journey in the right direction and to share our programming with the world. Visit www.justrightmedia.org to offer your financial support. And while you're there, be sure to sample some of our timeless past broadcasts, all archived not just for your listening enjoyment and convenience, but also as a record of our dedication, consistency, and principled approach to the discussion of all things just right about freedom and capitalism. We're joined in studio by Amir Farahi, Executive Director of the London Institute. And Robert? Well, we started the show with a very local story, which has been repeated throughout Canada, the United States of late. 
including Berkeley, Charlottesville, Quebec City, now London, where you have people advocating for a particular aspect of Western culture, whether it's a statue in, in the United States or the Islamization of the West here in, in London, and the counter-protests, which are clearly uh, very violent um, and sharing an ideology which is anti-free speech. Now, we're going to broaden the argument here by talking about free speech, and I, I would encourage our listeners to go to our website and click on our YouTube link, which would take you to a couple of videos which speak directly to freedom of speech. One is by Jordan B. Peterson, of course, on why free speech is not simply just another value. And that, by the way, that video has been seen over 115,000 times so far. It's only been up for about a month both with, from our channel and Jordan B. Peterson's channel. And the other video I posted, oh, maybe just a week ago, mm-hmm. and it's by a, a philosophy professor right now at Brandon University, Christina Bamey. And Christina was born and raised in East Germany during the Cold War, so while the wall was still up. And she spoke about how what's going on right now in the city of London, in Canada, in the United States... And her speech was entitled, Does Banning Hate Speech Eliminate Hatred? Short answer is no, it doesn't. In fact, it exacerbates hatred. Now, what she demonstrated was that in East Germany, she said that what she's seeing here in Canada mirrors exactly the indoctrination and propaganda that she experienced as a young person in East Germany. In other words, you must... You have to be inclusive, pro-diversity, never speak about hatred to any identifiable group. You know, by the way, that I'm not necessarily against any of that, except when, of course, when it comes as official policy of the state. These are laudable goals. You shouldn't really ridicule people for where they're from or their ethnicity or their race or anything like that. Of course not. But those are things that you would pick up in church or from your parents or from just being in a civil society. When it becomes official doctrine, whereas in East Germany you you would have people who violate it actually put into concentration camps in forced labor, by the way, including children, many of which were never heard from again, and you can only imagine what happened to them, then you've got a problem. And she said in East Germany, she's seeing the same thing here in Canada. She asked the question, of course, does does this really work, banning hate speech? And her conclusion was apparently not, because in East Germany, you had pockets. She called them the Valley of the Clueless. Clueless because they didn't know what was going on outside of East Germany because they were outside of the... Uh, cut off. Cut off from the West, both with television and radio. They couldn't reach it up in the north. Uh, by One was by Dresden, and the other one was up in the northeast of East Germany. And... She said that once the wall fell, the most nationalistic anti-immigrant voting trends were from those pockets that were inundated for 30-odd years with nothing but love your neighbor or we'll put you in a concentration camp type of propaganda. So what she concluded was that banning hate speech, which is what Matt Brown, the mayor of London, is suggesting, actually exacerbates the situation. It causes people to pent up 
their frustrations of the other, as she would well, call it. Well, then Matt Brown's doing the right thing, because that's what he wants to do. Of course. He's, he's in favor. Like I said before, his ideology is yeah. nothing but leftist, communist propaganda, and he would love to see nothing but the destruction of the Western values that we hold dear, the individualist values. And, and Matt Brown is not just banning hate speech. He's banning free speech. It even takes it one step further. Yes, indeed. Right? Because if you have an ideology that goes contrary to his then you're no longer able to express that freely on public property. Can, can you believe that? We, in 2017, here in Canada, in London, Ontario, if we have an ideology that goes counter to that of city council or the mayor, we cannot express that. On, I mean, it, it baffles it my mind. It boggles the imagination. Uh, not only that, you see how history seems to be forgotten because at that rally... Uh, Last Saturday, you had people with the Communist Party of Canada flags, the hammer and sickle, a symbol of an ideology responsible for the death of tens of millions of people, the suppression and repression of societies of hundreds of millions of people, and yet you see them walking down the street here. By the way, they have that right. In my estimation, they they have that right. I agree, even though they're murdering philosophy is, is disgusting beyond belief. And I think this goes to a quote by Voltaire where, where he said, you know, I may disagree with your speech, your stances, your opinions, your ideology, but I will fight to death to ensure that you have every right to express it. It's actually a misquote of Voltaire, but uh, it was said by somebody else, but everybody attributes the Voltaire. To Voltaire, but, okay, yeah. well. But that, nonetheless, yes, the message is... The message is, is accurate, yes. The right of free speech should be inviolate. It's inalienable. Now, you do not violate. The, the, other, the other aspect of this is that in, in Canada, we have the right to offend. I can offend your government. I can offend your religion. I can offend what you stand for. I can offend almost everything about you. We have that right because it we says have that, right. that it's, if it's done in good faith. Yes. And there is a difference between dangerous speech in Canada and offensive speech. Dangerous speech in which you're calling for the genocide of the murder of a group of people is is under Section 318 to 320 of the Criminal Code. And I would agree with that. I would agree with that. You cannot go out there. Well, actually, you can. Actually, more more specifically, I would say you have a right to say that, but as soon as you do, you're going to get arrested. Yes. Right. Okay. It's free speech. I can say, uh, you know, put your hands up or I'll rob you. Well, you have a right at that point (laughs) to already (laughs) take physical action against me, even though I only spoke to you, right? You know, the idea of allowing people to say what they want to say, even if you disagree with it, it identifies the person. They're going to condemn themselves by their speech. And you, I want to know who out there is hateful. I want to know so that we can take action appropriately. Right. But you don't stop them from saying it because that identifies them. You don't ban books. You use those books as evidence against them in a court of law. Yeah, it's very interesting. We're talking about books here. This year is the 500th anniversary of Reformation of the Protestant movement. And oddly enough, ironically enough, Mayor Matt Brown is a Protestant himself. If we look at the consequences of the 95 Theses by Martin Luther and his protest against the Catholic Church, we recognize the importance of freedom of expression and freedom of speech. And I can't, for the love of God, understand how Matt Brown, this mayor, who's a Protestant himself, doesn't uphold those very values. I I would imagine, and I may be casting aspersions here, but 
Matt Brown, like most other politicians, is a phony. Yes, absolutely. A phony. And he's I, a, what other ma- word to say that except, you know, uh, except the catcher in the rye, phony type of phony. <laughs> and and you can you can tell uh, that this is a man of no substance. This is a man who is weak and uh, has no legitimacy just by the fact of the way he betrayed his own family. And if he could betray his own family, in my opinion, he can betray the city, he could betray anyone. Well, a lot of our listeners wouldn't know about that particular situation, but maybe you want to just very quickly touch on it. Yes, the mayor of the city of London basically had an affair with the deputy mayor at the time last year, and that resulted in three codes of conduct being violated, as well as uh, uh, separation from his fa- uh, from his wife and a lot of issues with his family. And I feel sorry for his family for having to deal with it, to be honest. But this is the reality. This is the reality that we're facing here, is that this is a mayor who is willing to throw even his family under the bus for his own political gains. And I don't think we should just be picking on uh, Mayor Brown right now. I think any city councillor who voted in favor of that particular motion, which all of them did, um, should be painted by the same brush. And I should should even clarify here that the the person that actually brought that amendment to the mayor's motion, because this is actually a two-parted motion, the part where it is an attack on free speech was brought forth by Tanya Park. And she was also the person who brought forward the motion for London to become a sanctuary city on January 30th of 2017. So actually, Tanya Park has a lot to be blamed here for because she has been involved in both of those motions. She was actively the one that brought it forward. Was she one of the ones that cried? Uh, no? Just nearly teared up. Yeah, oh, yeah, she was definitely one of the three. Yeah, yeah that's that's manipulation. I it, think when people do that in in city councils over issues like this, that, that's that's. I'm sorry. That's, what you're it's what not you're, acceptable. What you're, yeah, exactly, Bob. What you're witnessing is laws or motions being put into place through emotion, yeah. Yeah. not reason, not the cold, uh, calculated process by which laws should be developed. And no due diligence either is, is, is the fact here. So the, the problem with this, and, and a few counselors have actually admitted this in public, is that they were doing committee work during council. This was an emergency motion brought forward by, by the mayor. And so they had to change the standing order of their agenda. And none of the counselors were aware of this motion whatsoever. So they didn't have time to consult with a constitutional lawyer. They didn't have time to look over it. And one counselor actually said that if he were to go back to council, he would completely change the wording of that motion because there's there's clearly big problems with it. But yeah, on the other hand, what could you change he voted it to? for it. He voted for it. Still. Right. And so this is why it was such a knee-jerk reaction. In fact, the, the motion that was brought forward by Tanya Park as well on January 30th to make London a sanctuary city was also a very emotional and knee-jerk reaction to Donald Trump, who is the president of the United States. Yeah. And um, so this one was as well, actually, to even paraphrase what Councillor Tanya Park said was, oh, I'm, I'm really getting emotional talking about this. And then she brought forward and said, you know what, I want to make an amendment right now off, off the top here to ban any ideology that goes contrary to the city of London. And then that was consulted by, or that the city solicitor came out, actually, he was, he was sitting right in front of council and said, well, we currently have a, a bylaw under Parks and Recreation that basically bans free speech. No one has taken it to court yet. We've had complaints from the from the from some members of the community. They probably didn't have the time or resources to take this to court, but you, we certainly might see that happen. And lo and behold, that motion got passed unanimously. Everyone very emotional, basically in a mode of virtue signaling, a knee jerk reaction 
with no due diligence, passed this motion unanimously. Okay, let's backtrack. Officially, it really looked like that. We are friends with everybody. Um, the more different from us, the better, but the unofficial story is very different. There was always some kind of resentment towards foreigners, but it was always kind of bubbling underneath the surface. True integration also rarely happened. Many of the foreigners actually lived in special segregated areas, really. How you doing? Fine. Things at home okay? Yeah. Derek got out this morning, did he not? Yeah, he did. He was one of my students. You knew that, right? Honors English. He was a brilliant student. Like you. That he hung out with simple-minded fools. <laughs> also, like you. Look, Sweeney, did you bring me in here to talk about Derek? Because what happened to him has nothing to do with me. Everything you do right now has something to do with Derek. Look, I followed directions. I wrote an A paper. Mein Kampf! I should expel you. Go ahead. What, you don't think I could handle it? No, I think the street would kill you. Your rhetoric and your propaganda aren't going to save you out there. So here's the drill. I'm your history teacher from now on. We will discuss current events. We will call this class American History X. We meet once a day. All right, your first assignment is to prepare for me a new paper due tomorrow. Oh, come on, Sweeney. It took me a week to read mine, Combs. That isn't fair. Well, what do you want me to do it on? Your brother. Oh, God, man. Please tell me you're joking. No, no, no. I'm not kidding. I want you to analyze and interpret all the events surrounding Derek's incarceration. How these events helped shape your present perspective concerning life in contemporary America. The impact on your life, your families. Whatever you want to say, Danny. So here we have, in 2017, people going around with Che Guevara shirts, a noted racist and homophobe. People going around with the uh, old hammer and sickle, an ideology responsible for the death of millions. You know, <laughs> and here in the in the beautiful, peaceful city of London, and you know something, Bob and I have been in politics for over thirty years, and we recognize that at the heart of any movement is just a handful of people, and I'm talking six or seven. Yeah, always, always, six always, or seven always, yeah. people out there who are dedicated to getting a particular path uh, or ideology or political movement going, and I, this is no different. When Pegida comes out, and they only got thirty people. There's usually just the one or two who are leading it, and they get their friends and family or whatever to come out and stand with them. And then when you get the Antifas out there, you've only got a couple. And that woman woman who apparently spit upon the Pegida, she's been around before. Ezra Levant interviewed her agitating in Toronto a couple of years ago. You can probably still find that online. Yeah, professional agitators. Yes. Uh, so, 
like Matt Brown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go out there and protest against it too. Who's with me? Rah, rah, rah. Those are the kinds of people. So these six or seven people, I hope, are not indicative of the general population of the City of London, Ontario, nor of the population of Canada or the United States. I think these agitators are dangerous, but I think they're only a handful of people on both sides. Both sides. Yeah, but look at all their followers. And they're, they're dangerous too. You know, followers just follow blindly. That's the problem. And they don't even understand, obviously, ideology. I mean, here we are. We still have Remembrance Day every year. Remember, we did a show called Forgettin' Day because obviously mm-hmm. it, nobody knows what the values that, that, that Western soldiers went to fight fascism in, in Europe ever was about in the first place. They seem to have forgotten all that. They have no connection to all these hateful, hateful groups to which the anti-haters are attaching themselves to. How ignorant does one have to be of ideology? Uh, it, it, it boggles my mind that such ignorance is being promoted on such a grand scale. Yeah, and, and you know what? Speaking of the soldiers that have fought in service to protect our rights and freedoms, our Western values, it's interesting because the, the, this Antifa group that we've been talking about, who was there during the protest, masked, told by police to actually remove their masks, uh, which is why I'm also, you know, giving kudos to the police here. Good for them. I didn't realize yes. that. Yes, good, yes. good for them. Because it, because uh, when when Stephen Harper was was in power, he actually made it a, a criminal violation to put on a mask during any rallies or protests. Which is why Antifa has a hard time doing that in Canada. Different in the United States. Mm-hmm. So when we look at Antifa, even here in Canada, we know that a global news reporter, for example, in Quebec was assaulted. His camera shattered and broken. We know other reporters in the U.S. have been getting assaulted by Antifa. We know police officers have been getting attacked by Antifa. So this is a group, this is an anarcho-communist group, which has gotten the support of mainstream media, it seems, in my opinion, as well as some of the people who are within the progressive or quote-unquote progressive camp. And They have been inciting violence. They're a militant left-wing group. And for some reason, politicians are endorsing their conduct and their behavior, even though they have a track record of being violent, and then slapping anyone who speaks out against Islam, speaks out against any ideology as either white supremacist, depending on how you look, if you're especially a white man who has Judeo-Christian, a Judeo-Christian background, you're t- typically labeled as white supremacist, a xenophobe, racist, and that sort of thing. That's done intentionally to censor you, to bully. It puts you on the defensive right off yes. the bat. You know, to even say um, the term white supremacist, as soon as you start using colors, you're, you're thinking in terms of race. And that, to me, is unacceptable. That's racist. If you say black lives matter, you're a racist. I'm sorry. There's, Don't be sorry. No, no. It is racist. Well, it is. I, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not apologizing for saying <laughs> okay. it. I'm apologizing for offending anybody who thinks that, that it's not so. Come on. We don't talk about race. The word race should not exist anywhere in legislation. If we're a free society, then we work on in- 
individual rights, period. End of story. I don't care what color your skin is. It, it does not matter. It's the color of your ideas that matter, and that's what unites a people or divides them. And these ideas are as red and as black as you can get from City Hall, and, and do they not realize it? My parents suffered this. My grandfather, like you had a background, just like yeah. me, I'm a displaced person yes. from Eastern Europe, and my, my grandfather was murdered by the Russians, and they thought exactly like these people do at City Hall, exactly the same ideology. And, and uh, you know what? I have to share this uh, history with, with, with the listeners here because it is so so similar to what's happening here in Canada. And this is, what's ha- this is what happened in Iran prior to the 1979 revolution. And th- again, this is why I'm so sensitive to these topics is because I, I, I went from Iran to Canada because of democracy, because of, the, because of Western values, because of the freedoms and rights that are granted here. And, and I don't take it for granted one bit. So the history here is this. Before the revolution happened, before the theocracy came in, the authoritarian theocracy came in in Iran. 1979. 1979, when the Shah was toppled, his government overthrown, the Marxists in Iran formed an alliance with the Islamists. The Ayatollah Khomeini. Yes, a formal alliance. natural alliance works. Right. And then what happened was, so the Marxists would censor people on universities. They would uh, protect the the uh, the Islamists, and then once the Islamists came into power and formed a theocracy, the Marxists got killed, completely brutally murdered, and I believe something like four thousand eight hundred people uh, is the estimate here. Within like the first week of them coming into power, were just executed outright. It's always the case that the intelligentsia. You saw it in the Soviet Union as well. The intelligentsia are the ones first up against the wall after the revolution. Absolutely. Matt Brown, you better watch out. (laughs) No, we're talking intelligentsia here, Bob. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. (laughs) But but this, 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 again, goes to show you that these kinds of things may happen very quickly. They may happen subtly, right? And once you start to attack our fundamental right of free speech and you take it away bit by bit, Again, you get to a point where you just wake up and you realize that, wow, I never would have thought it would happen to a country like Canada. And don't think for a second that it can't happen here. You it know, absolutely so, can happen. You know, hey, G- Germans were like that too. And then, I was just you know, going to say just that. Just before, you know, the proverbial you-know-what hit the fan, Germany was very well. It was the height of arts, the center of commerce, you know. They had a thriving society. Germans were very tolerant as a, as a, as a general group. And then all of a sudden they allowed fascism to take over. And it's usually, like I said before, just a few people who get yeah. together and, and, and uh, disturb and then, and then, then a tipping point comes, and yep. you never know when it is or even what form it might take. And then take. the general public have to pick sides, and then you, all of a sudden you've got armies fighting each other and people fighting yep. in the street. But, you know, there's um, a phrase that Jordan Peterson uh, has been saying. He says it quite often. He says, this is no joke. This is no trivial matter. And he's saying this over and over again. This is why I love listening to his speeches. It is no joke. Because he understands history. People out there figuring, oh, a bunch of Pegidas out there, 30 people, whoopee-ding, this is not a big problem. This isn't going to change my life one iota. They're living in the day, as Salim says. They have no connection to the past or future. That's right. And it's only people like Salim Mansour or Mir uh, Farahi or yourself or I, Bob, that can 
put the puzzle together to understand that this is no joke. We're talking some serious stuff here. We're talking life and death situations. And even though this is a peaceful city, apparently so, it's being run by people with an ideology that is hateful and destructive. Yes, absolutely. In terms of the the petition here, if you go to standforfreespeech.ca, I'm hoping that we're approaching 400 signatures. I'm hoping that the councillors and the mayor are going to respond to the immense backlash from the community. I, I have not heard one person try to defend that motion. Even people who are on the other side of the spectrum have come out against the motion because, because one day groups like Idle No More, Occupy London, Black Lives Matter, Antifa could very well be banned as well. You could have a council that would exploit this motion and ban those very groups. They understand the threat here. It's a threat to everybody every single person here in the city. And so um, I'm hoping that more people will go sign the petition. I'm hoping that I will have an opportunity to present this petition as well to city council and exactly why it was created, uh, even though it outlines it pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, th- th- like you said, these kinds of things are, are very dangerous. We're starting to see as well, and uh, not to get off tangent, but historic revisionism. Yes. Trying to censor our history applying the moral code and moral values of today to the past so that our kids and our grandkids aren't able to learn about the past. You can analyze it from an intellectual point of view and a scholarly point of view, but you cannot expunge history. Exactly. And you know the importance of knowing history is that so you don't repeat the same mistakes that were made in the past, in the present, right? So I want to point to one group, in fact, for because we're seeing this is all under political correctness. This is all everything that's happening today is under the guise of political correctness, including this very motion that came out. If you look in the if, in the states where they're taking down monuments, you look in Canada where they're changing school names. The one group that's doing the very similar thing right now in the Middle East is ISIS. They're taking down historic monuments, Babylonian mon- monuments that really are attributed to the history of places like Iraq and Syria, monuments associated with the Assyrian community, Christian community, Yazidi community, and they're doing this to erase history. It's historic revisionism, and it's coming from a militant organization. Here we are in Canada, 2017, we have the teachers union doing the very same similar thing, and we have people in the U.S. trying to take down statues that represent... Well, what does that tell you about history? tells you how important history is. Exactly. And that in order to succeed, the evil people in the world must erase it. That should be a lesson in and of itself. Yep. Amir, our hour has gone. I want to thank you again for being among the few willing to speak out and defend our essential Western values. It, It disturbs me that there are so few, and it's obvious that you're one of the few people, again, who understand those values. doesn't look too bright for our future out there, does it, Robert? Well, I don't know. I always have hope. Where would you be without hope? Well, we hope our we hope our listeners <laughs> <laughs> will return again next week as we continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, you know what to do. Be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Oh, Jeannie, Mark is so impressionable. And these people really know how to poison your mind. I didn't know there were any hate groups in Boulder. I didn't either. It's hard to see them, but they're there. They hide behind the flag. Mm. Poor Nelson, I wish you could have seen him. He was so humiliated when he found out he was about to support that group. (laughs) 
So, you're Polish, huh? Should have known with a last name like McConnell. My grandmother was Polish, Remo. Why do people make fun of the Polish? Probably for the same reason they make fun of other ethnic groups. It's easier to put down someone who's different than to try to understand him. No, but it's sort of a shame. You gotta admit, some of those Polish jokes are funny. Like I heard one about this priest, this minister, and this cabbage smuggler. Remo. Oh, uh, come on, Remo. I think we should make ourselves scarce. Dobjamind. Brought you a little gift. A light bulb? Yeah, I want to see how many relatives would take to screw it in. 